1: right, welcome everybody to the Lakers Legacy Podcast, where sound the alarm, preseason is over, got no time for zany punny podcast intros, the 2023-24 NBA season, the 23-24 Lakers season is finally here. And the vibes? Well, they are immaculate. It's lit. Damn, I couldn't help myself. There's your corny-ass punny intro anyways. <laughs> All that to say, we are finally here! I'm your host, Jonathan Hernandez, and I'm joined by my co-host, Tommy Alexander. And Tommy, hey. it's the end of October, baby. So you know what that means. Are you ready for PSL season?
2: Oh, actually, I don't, I'm not a huge PSL fan. <gasps>
1: Can you tell people, though, what PSL means in case they are uneducated in that realm?
2: pumpkin spice lattes
1: pumpkin spice latte season everybody but forget about pumpkin spice latte we're going to be talking about preseason spice lakers oh you like that transition oh. uh, actually no. <laughs> no we're not going to talk about preseason spice lakers although oh. maybe we will but <laughs> for this episode we're going got to be me doing all
2: ex- excited about it and then you pulled it away
1: <laughs> sorry for this episode or a portion of this episode we are going to be talking about Lakers predictions, season awards, we typically do this every season before the actual regular season begins, so we're going to break down some of our boldest predictions for this upcoming season. But before we get to all that, quick caveat to the episode you're about to listen to. This is ostensibly our 2023-24 Lakers season awards and statistical predictions episode to help tee you up for opening night this upcoming Tuesday. But we actually pre-recorded much of this entire episode, so this all happened prior to us watching a single lick of Lakers preseason basketball whatsoever. So this is a true blind predictions episode, and I think you guys will actually have a little bit of fun with it now that you know what you're getting yourself into and now that our takes have been appropriately caveated. So yeah, just keep in mind, for better or for worse, when we dole out these predictions that you're about to listen to, we did not have the six games of preseason hindsight that we do now. So in some ways, some of our takes may actually come off as pretty impressive and quite Nostradami, given the fact that we hadn't watched any preseason basketball yet, while some of our other takes may look completely off-base and wackadoo now that we've been able to see how some of these players have performed. Essentially what I'm saying is, Praise us for all of our good takes that we managed to predict well prior to seeing any preseason basketball, and cut us some slack on the bad takes that you hear because we didn't have the benefit of having six preseason games to inform our judgment. So really, all I'm saying is we can do no wrong in this episode, so just have fun. That's all fair, right? Anyway, that's it for future Jonathan and my rambling caveats. Let's get on with this jam-packed Lakers season predictions and preview episode. All right, Tommy, before we get to our Lakers season awards and statistical predictions, including some of our bold predictions, my icebreaker question for you today is, if you had to be nitpicky from the moment the season ended, what would you say is your least favorite move of the offseason? Or to put it more lightly, what's the move that has you questioning whether it will actually work out? So from the day the season ended to now, Already stating that Rob Palenka had a masterclass offseason, if you had to be nitpicky, what's that one move that has you raising your brow a little bit?
2: So, I actually, and I really thought about this one, right? Because, and to your point, it is nitpicking. And I don't think, like, I'm not even going to say a move because I have no criticisms of the actual moves, but like an inaction, Hmm. I think not signing a true bruiser defensive big after... How we sort of ended the off season. I know Jackson Hayes is obviously good size, right? But he's young, and he's not necessarily known as a pure defensive stopper. I I call this nitpicking because we obviously we still have the fifteenth spot. Um, we could use that to sign that that type of player any point during the season. Um, but not going into the season with that yeah. position addressed, which ended up being such a huge issue for us in the playoffs. Um, when we met with Denver and their insane size at every position, um, and like required AD to play 42 minutes a game. Like, you know, that, that's the one, one thing that I can maybe nitpick. But again, it's like, it really is nitpicking to your point because we still have the flexibility. It's not like we're locked into 15 guys and we can't do anything like we have. We can still sign a 15th guy. So, um, So ultimately not a big deal.
1: Right. And to Darvin Ham's point, we do have size at every position. We have a fortress of forwards to hopefully mitigate that aspect. And if it proves to be the fact that we still need that actual bruising big to foul people a la Dwight, then hopefully Bismack Biombo is still available or someone of that ilk. So for my nitpicky least favorite move or non-move of the offseason, Tommy, I will go back to draft night. And I want to make sure I'm careful about the words I say here. But, and this is not to say that I don't like our pick. I think you know where I'm going here. But I would say the one questionable move, or the one move that has me raising my brow a little bit with regards to how is this going to work would probably be the Jalen hood Shafino pick. Because one, that was unexpected, I feel like, from all of our ends. And then two, given the context of the draft, everybody also saw oh, this dude named Cam Whitmore was available. So I feel like the Cam Whitmore, JHS discussion will sort of loom over our heads for the next couple of years. Um, And then to to that same point, even if you're not talking about Cam Whitmore, I question whether or not not trading down and not trading JHS away and trading down to pick like a Ben Shepard or even an Omax Prosper. I question whether or not, just picking JHS was the best move. Now, obviously, I don't know what types of calls they had. I don't know what offers were available. But I'm just saying, if those offers were available to them to move down and also get an OMAX prosper, yeah, you know, we can debate it all we want. But yeah, that would be my one nitpicky, least favorable, not least favorable move. But yeah, that would be the one one move this offseason that I question. Like, not getting Cam Whitmore... Picking JHS. But again, this may also work out in our favor if a year from now, D'Angelo Russell's not on this team and we have JHS waiting in the wings. Do you have any thoughts on JHS, Cam Whitmore? Have you thought about that at all recently?
2: Um, Not really, because I just think there's there's so much that can happen and change. I mean, like you could look at like the, I'm just remembering this. Cause this is like around the time that we started this podcast, right? It might've actually been the first year we started this podcast. So the one that comes to mind is Julius Randall. I think like looking all the way back to that draft three years, maybe even four years post draft, you know, there were a lot of, you could raise a lot of questions about whether that was the right pick. Now you go five, six, seven years post that draft. Like, Julius Randle actually is like at least competitive for that, <laughs> like where, where we picked him. And if not, like he could have gotten higher, um, you know, depending on, you know, obviously there were some busts kind of at the top of that draft too. So, um, I, I think like the next couple years is maybe too short of a horizon. I, I agree with you that like Cam Whitmore, he, this is the type of team that you would expect to take a shot on something like that. like, This type of team, not meaning the Lakers, this type of team, meaning like you knew you were going to be returning at least like eight guys. You knew you were going to, you know, be targeting sort of vets with your your free agent money. Um, You kind of knew what your game plan was. uh, And and clearly they, you know, they did. They executed it and everything was fine. It just like given that you would have thought that when you have a chance to take a max moonshot, like Mm -hmm. upside type of pick. You might go with that. And and to look to defend them, maybe they think JHS is that guy over Camp Whitmore. I don't know, right? It's just like from everything we saw as like fans on the outside, we don't have all the information, we don't have all the records, whatever. But like, you know, obviously a ton of other teams passed on Camp Whitmore too. Um, but it it is interesting that a guy who had many people had mocked, like certainly top eight, um, fell to 17 and and we didn't we didn't take him. So um in, in again in the context of like no matter who we drafted there that person did not need to be like a rotation player this season so
1: yeah for sure and this may all be moot if you know jhs is part of the next lakers trade package or he could be part of the next lakers core with anthony davis and max christie if we re-sign him vanderbilt ruey etc cetera, etc cetera. oh and also austin reeves All right, let's move on, Tommy, to our Lakers predictions. For this first part, I want you to give me three statistical predictions you feel pretty solid about. This can be player stat-wise or team stat-wise. Maybe we can go back and forth on this one. So I'll give my first one. You give your first one. You ready? Yeah. My first statistical prediction that I feel pretty solid about, and this is going to be with regards to an actual player, I'm going to go with... Maybe this is a bold prediction. I don't know. I'll I'll see what you think.
2: I know. I have some borderline (laughs) ones too.
1: I predict that D'Angelo Russell is going to average a career-high 7.2 assists. Oh, interesting. And that's even while I think Austin Reeves will also average a career-high 4.5 assists. I think this team has too many weapons, even accounting for more usage going to AR. And even accounting for, you know, maybe D'Angelo Russell still only playing 28 to 30 minutes. D'Angelo has too many pick and roll and pick and pop options, you know, at this point with regards to Wood, AD, Jackson Hayes as a lob threat. Like, D'Angelo didn't really have a lob threat last season, you know, it was pretty much AD and that was it. Mo Bamba wasn't playing, you know, and so... D'Angelo Russell didn't have a lethal pick-and-pop threat like Christian would. So I think it's within the realm of possibility for D'Angelo Russell to average 7.2 assists, which would be a career high for him. Any thoughts on that? And then you can go.
2: Um... I don't know that it's I agree with you that is maybe a borderline bold <laughs> okay. and not bold but but no I think it's it's a fair prediction and and you're right he has so many op- weapons um, and so many options it's like you kind of feel like he might be able to do this with his eyes closed because he's a really talented playmaker so my first one and this is like maybe it's funny to okay this is not bold, but given where we were, and I know we're still in the regular ones, but, uh, you know, I think you're going to see, like, maybe the, some people can consider this to be bold. Um, I think, as a, and I'll go with a team stat, I think we're going to be a top 15 three-point shooting team in the league. Mm. Now, look, that's only guaranteeing that we'll be at least average, Okay. But given where we've been the last few years, I maybe some would call this a bold prediction. um, I think we have at every position better shooting than we've ever had. I think, you know, from all the stuff we've heard, sorry, ever had during the 80 LeBron era. um, You know, I think uh, we have guys who can hit in a variety of ways, as we've discussed. Um, We have guys who can hit with volume. Um, and we have guys who could hit at every position and, and it's like you, you bring different looks off the bench. Now you have guys at those positions who can, who can hit threes and maybe in the starter, you know, starting lineup, you have certain guys who, who are better shooters than their counterparts on the bench. So we have options at every position. And I think like, because we have those options, it's going to take pressure off of everybody. And I think it's going to boost the team up. And obviously a huge part of this is, um, you know how well some of our signings uh, are able to, you know, I'm thinking of Vincent and Prince, but like how well they're able to replicate what they did like last year. I guess in the case of Prince, like several years. So, um, I, I think that's that's my first uh, my first projection for the team.
1: And I think Christian Wood will have a big say in that as well. And also, if yeah. AD, if the return of AD's jump shot happens. I will say that I don't think that's bold enough Tommy because on the borderline of one of my cuts for bold statistical predictions I had Lakers will lead the league in three point shooting percentage and be <laughs> oh my god <laughs> and they will be in the top 5 of volume makes and attempts. Now that is a bold prediction which I inevitably cut but just to give you my line of thinking I think top top 15 is what you said?
2: Um, top fifteen,
1: yeah, easy, dude. Top fifteen in three point shooting is easy. Right, so make right. it. Well, make these, it top were the top 10. Per- these were the regular.
2: Per- these were the, the intro, regular predictions. So. The regular. Okay, okay,
1: um, okay. So for my next one, I will say, I think this is the year that, and maybe this isn't that surprising. I predict that LeBron James will average a Lakers career high field goal percentage this year. His highest in the last five years was actually last season, shooting fifty two point four percent, and that was with a down three-point shooting year so I think this year he shoots 53 to 54 percent easy with a regression to the mean with a positive regression to the mean with regards to his three-point shooting he'll probably shoot 35 percent And I also just feel like he's going to play off-ball more. He's going to get a lot of easy buckets with all of the talented playmakers that we have. And that will all culminate in LeBron James maybe even shooting 55% in year 21 at age 39, which is insane. But yeah, I think he should get actually a lot of easy buckets this year. Your thoughts on that, and then give me your second prediction.
2: So I agree with that. And it's related to my next prediction, oh, okay. which is LeBron will shoot at least 35% from three this no, year. I, yeah, because I think like, you know, last year was such an outlier. If you look at his whole career, he was he's never been that bad of a shooter. And I don't know what happened last year, but I think he's going to rebound and and at least hit his uh, career. Maybe uh, I that might be like one or one point higher than his career percentage. But I think he'll shoot 35% at least from three this year.
1: Yeah, I agree with that. Um, what's your next prediction?
2: My last prediction is AD and LeBron are each going to average 35 minutes per game or less. Um, nice. I think, you know, this kind of gets back to like our depth discussions. Um, we've had stretches over the last couple of years where those guys had to play more, notwithstanding the fact that everybody came into the season saying that they didn't want to play them that much we're always ending up with these guys playing 36 plus minutes per game um over however many games they can play 35 might even be too high i think they're going to be aiming for like 32 33 for both of those guys mm-hmm. um so you know i think that is going to be sort of a signal of of where our depth stands um, on this roster
1: God, that will be such a godsend. Remember last year when Darvin Ham at the beginning of training camp was like, we're not trying to play LeBron James and Anthony Davis 35 minutes a game. And then we're playing like
2: 37 minutes. a game.
1: (laughs) He was right. They're not trying to do that, trying to do more. Uh, But yeah, this year it should be 35 minutes and definitely less. So I like that prediction. My last prediction with regards to one that I feel pretty solid about would be, I predict the Lakers will lead the league in steals this year. I think our length is insane, and with our fortress of forwards, whether that's Wood, AD, LeBron, AD, Vando, Rui, and then also our scrappy guards with Gabe Vincent, Max Christie, throw in Austin Reeves, Torian Prince, even Cam Reddish. Cam Reddish is an amazing steals percentage guy. He's always been really good with his hands. If he's been absent-minded off-ball defensively, if he has got a guy on ball, he will swipe at that thing and lead you down the break. On He'll lead you down the other way on the break because he's great with his hands on defense. So I think this year, the Lakers are going to get out and run and that's going to be ignited by the fact that they are getting a bunch of steals and getting in the passing lane. So that's my last solid prediction for this team uh, heading into next season. Uh, with that said, let's take it to break. When we return, let's quickly run through our three bold statistical predictions team or player wise for this upcoming year. So we will catch you guys after the break.
0: Say goodbye to your credit card rewards. Greedy corporate mega stores led by Walmart and Target are pushing for a law in Congress to take away your hard earned cash back and travel points to line their pockets. The Durbin Marshall credit card bill would enact harmful credit card routing mandates that would end credit card rewards as we know it. If you love your credit card rewards, tell your lawmakers, hands off my rewards. Tell them to oppose the Durbin Marshall credit card bill.
1: Hey guys, quick call to action for yours truly, the Lakers Legacy Podcast. If you'd enjoy consuming our content, please, please, please take a moment to rate and review us five stars on the Apple Podcast app. Also, please take a moment to give us a five star thumb tap on the Spotify app. Just search for the Lakers Legacy Podcast on the Spotify app and click that five-star dial at the top of our page. It's that easy to do. We would greatly appreciate it. It will do a lot in determining the future of this show moving forward, especially as we head into the 2023-24 season. At this point, it's the only thing that drives this show. With that said, thank you for consuming our content, and please enjoy the rest of the show. All right, so we are back. Tommy, give me your first bold Lakers statistical prediction whether that's for a player or for the team as a whole
2: okay so my first one is and this is bold only because it hasn't happened in in several years 80 will play at least 65 games this year I think Mm. 80 I think he got a taste of what it's like to appear in every game when he had that long stretch to end the season obviously going into the playoffs doing the whole playoff run playing 42 minutes a game. Like, yeah, he was a little banged up, but he pushed through and he was able to perform not at his like kind of gimpy levels that we've seen him do where he's tried to play through injury. Like he was able to whatever injuries he was dealing with. We don't know the full scope obviously, but he was able to play through that for a significant stretch. Yeah. And I think he will, you know, everything we've seen from him, he's been quiet all off season. You know, I think the prior offseason he got married and all kinds of things were going on. So, you know, I, I think, like, he's coming in serious and, and ready and and not that he doesn't normally, but I think more so ready this year, and I think he's locked in on playing at least 65.
1: Please, and that's a good point in terms of maybe after getting a taste of this playoff run where he kind of played through nicks and bruises and stuff and still kind of came out okay. You know, there's that yeah. there's that debate of whether or not, you know, load management is good for players, and then you've heard Paul George on his podcast say, well, actually, it might actually be hurting us because we've gotten so soft, you know what I mean? Like, in terms of not having that continuity of just playing through these injuries, we've become more brittle as a result of that chicken-or-egg argument. But yeah, maybe AD will take that momentum with him. And just for context, AD actually hasn't played 65 games for the Lakers in any regular season. Now, 2019-20 was cut short a little bit, so maybe he would have, But yeah, 80 only played 62. 62 is the highest amount of games 80 has played in the regular season for the Lakers. So yeah, 65 would be a bold prediction. And the last time he hit above that number was 2017-18 when he played 75 games for the Pelicans. So one can only hope. I like that bold prediction. My first bold prediction would be... Hold on to your hats here, Tommy. Or hold on to your hat. I don't know why you would have two or more than one. (laughs) But... uh, I predict that Rui Hachimura will shoot 37% from three, hitting 1.8 threes a game. I think he will carry on his momentum from the playoffs and hit not only a high volume from three, but also hit... Oh, sorry. My My dog apparently does not like that Rui Hachimura prediction. Yeah, that was too bold. (laughs) It was too bold. Um, so yeah, my prediction would be Rui Hachimura shooting 38% from three, hitting 1.83s a game. Give me your thoughts on that one. and Give me your thoughts on that one while I give him a treat and uh, give me your second bold prediction.
2: So I think that is bold because we haven't seen it. I, it's a possible. Yes. I don't know about bold. Um, Um. or sorry, I, it is bold. I don't, I don't know if it's, uh, how, how possible it is, I guess I should say, but if he hits that that would be fantastic and that would like answer a lot of questions about how his season's going to go i think my next bold prediction is so this is maybe maybe this is bold cuz i think this is like kind of contradicts what um one of the predictions you gave in the last segment but i actually think reeves is going to be our second highest assist man and i think he's going to average 6 assists per game this year <gasps> Um, yeah, it would be a pretty big jump. I think like playoffs last year, he was at about five. Um, um, I th- but obviously regular season he was like three and a half. But obviously there were there were many factors there, but. I think when you look at this team, and, and this is famous last words, right? Because every fan base thinks when they look at their roster going into the season, like, oh, we have so many guys who can score. And then the yeah. season starts and nobody can score. <laughs> and you're like, what happened? <laughs> um, but I think, like, when you look at our starting lineup with AD, with LeBron, uh, D'Lo, Rui, if he starts, you got Wood off the bench who can score. Gabe Vincent, I mean, he's not a scorer, per se, but he's he's not, like we're not talking about Alex Caruso or, you know what I mean? Like some guy who you really can't count on at all. Um, Even Prince can hit his shots and, and we have like so many options. I think the one, and I I probably said Rui already, but I think he, you know, obviously he's going to be a big factor. Um, I think the one guy from all of these folks who can do something else consistently is Austin. And I think Austin is also the one guy who like, is happy to be out there for 30 minutes and not necessarily get his shots up. So I think by default, then he ends up being the guy who, you know, we don't have a quote unquote super team where it's like, you're starting Dwight Howard, Paul Gasol, Kobe Bryant, and Steve Nash. Like who's the fourth guy to kind of, you know, you know, hold everything together. We don't have that sort of arrangement, but we do have a supreme level of depth. And when you have a supreme level of depth, one person who could go to another team and score 20 points a game is going to have to take a back seat. And I think, you know, Rui, he's primarily a scorer. Um, D'Lo, he can play make two, but he is a scorer Um, and he's more experienced and, and older and has more, you know, reps obviously than, than, uh, than Austin. Austin does so many other things. And, you know, he's happy to do those things. And so I think for that reason, he's going to default himself back into like, I'm going to be the playmaker. And I think he's going to have a career high in assists and, and be the second highest on the team after LeBron.
1: Interesting. That is both. I mean, we're in alignment with regards to, I think AR averages a career high. I just think it's going to be more 4.5. It'll be interesting to see. I mean, I wouldn't be surprised if like between him, D'Angelo and LeBron, they all average like 5.5 assists, you know? Um, yeah. For me, my second bold prediction would be, this is really bold. I think Cam Reddish will shoot a career-high 38% from three as well, hitting two a game. (laughs) So just to put this into context, how bold a take this is, Cam Reddish is a career 32% three-point shooter. His highest he shot over a full season was 36%. He did shoot 38% during the first half of the 2021-22 season with the Atlanta Hawks before he got traded to the New York Knicks, so there is some flashes of that. But for a full 82-game regular season, uh, he's never done that. And it remains to be seen whether he even plays a full complement of games over the course of the season. But if he does, and if he makes the leap that I hope he makes, I think it's going to be because he plays tremendously off-ball. And it's going to be because he shot. he's shooting 38% from three, hitting two a game, and finally gets down that consistency part of his game that's been so sorely lacking the last couple of years. So your thoughts on that, and then give me your second bold prediction.
2: Or my third bold prediction. Oh, um, third, sorry. Yeah, yeah so that's very bold i'm it surprised is. your dog didn't bark <laughs> over that one um uh, but that's that's pretty bold uh i don't know that i can see that happening but i gotta look it's a bold prediction so um my next one is sort of related to my last one and i don't know maybe this is not bold enough after that cam <laughs> pred- prediction <laughs> But I think D'Lo is going to be our third highest scorer and score twenty points a game this year. Whoa! Um, wait,
1: wait. That is—I—I su- I feel like that's bold. Okay, I like it. Go that's ahead. pretty
2: bold. That is pretty bold. However, I will—I will say this: D'Lo played in seven, seventy-one games last year. Seventeen of those, and this is—I'm talking regular season numbers. I'm not—I'm not maybe more of bold if I said twenty points per game in the playoffs next year, right? Yeah. <laughs> but regular season, he scored seventeen points a game for us. 17.4 points a game for us on 13 shots in 17 games as a traded player coming in and figuring out his his spots. Okay. Yeah. 17 points a game and and still average six assists. Okay. So I think because of how you know Austin has emerged more as a ball handler, you know, Vincent, we have, um, we have some other guards. I think D'Lo is going to be in a position more where, you know, he's going to have to react. Austin is still a young player. And I think like he, you know, maybe I'm over, maybe I'm generalizing a little too much, but young players, it's like you can get them, they're kind of mind focused on one thing and then they can go out and do that. I think vets DLO has been in the year in the league, excuse me, for seven, almost eight years. I think at this, maybe this coming year is his eighth year or something. Um, he's been in the league long enough to know like how to adjust on the fly. And I think because of that, and because of all of the work he put in and candidly, because of the fact that this is effectively a contract year for him, I think he's going to come out super aggressive. I think He's going. He's heard all the noise. He knows he underperformed in the playoffs. Rob Palenka knows he underperformed in the playoffs, obviously, with his metaphors. like Everybody knows it's all anyone's been talking about, and I think that's why maybe this comes off as bold, because if you're thinking of the last look you had of D'Lo, he averaged 13 points a game over a 16-game stretch, and so how could he get to 20? But I think... Regular season, he is going to come out with a huge chip on his shoulder. He's beefed up Mm -hmm. his shoulders also to carry that chip. And so, like, I think he is going to come out, like, guns blazing. You know, we know what AD is going to do. We know LeBron's going to get his touches, Um, you know. But I think D'Lo is going to ramp up his scoring at least during the season. Playoffs, we'll see what happens.
1: I like that bold prediction. I had a question in here that I inevitably scrapped, but the question was, which returning Laker slash internal Laker will end up being the most important. And I actually had D'Angelo Russell pegged for that spot. I also had him pegged for which Laker is going to be the best shooter. I had D'Angelo Russell and it's for a I lot of the too. reasons. Yeah. It's a lot of the reasons that you said, because this is effectively a contract year for him and he's getting underpaid relative to what a guard who put up the stats that he put up last regular season should be making right? He had a better regular season than freaking Fred Van Vliet, who's making 35-40 million a year, you know? So, D'Angelo Russell is going to take that to heart. Yeah, more than 40. So, I don't know if he'll do that, but I would love it if D'Angelo Russell could, you know, feed off of Austin Reeves' career-high six assists and average 20 points. That's amazing. Um, My last bold prediction will be, maybe this isn't too bold to... Based off of, you know, my Cam Reddish take. but uh,
2: <laughs> You should have saved that one for last.
1: I, I know, I should have saved it for last. Okay, I predict that Max Christie will average 10 plus points this season. And I'll just leave it at that. I think because of his defense, he's going to find a regular rotation spot in the rotation. Maybe even win. And this goes counter to what I would said about Cam Reddish. But maybe not, because I think Cam Reddish may inevitably play the three next to Max Christie. But yeah, I think because of his defense, Max Christie is going to be an integral part of this Lakers core. And because of that, I think he'll get a shot to average 10 plus points just because of his improved three point shot. If he can carry over his three point shooting from the regular season last year, but also what we saw from summer league. Any thoughts on Max Christie averaging 10 points? Is that bold at all or not really?
2: I think it's bold, um, mostly because we don't even know if he's going to get the spot right i mean yeah. there's there's competition i think he's sort of the de facto like people have him penciled in there but i think we're in wait and see and actually as a preview he might be coming up uh his name might be coming up and in, in one of the subsequent questions you're gonna have about regular season awards for for uh <laughs> these guys on our team but not yeah, really okay. an award Nice.
1: so <laughs> okay coming so you soon. See it, let's quick <laughs> let's quickly run through these uh who's your coach of the year tommy
2: uh christian
1: christian i had phil handy
2: so (laughs) nice yeah actually that's better i like (laughs) phil handy
1: uh but no it's probably darvin ham because he's yeah um who's your most improved player of the year if you had to pick one
2: I think it's going to be Rui. And I know that we've been Ooh. hyping him up so much, such that, like, how in that, based on the comparison, or, the, or like, how, how we're projecting him, how much could he improve? But that's not how you make that comparison, right? Most improved, meaning most improved from last year, most improved over the course of his career. We know what Rui did in the playoffs, and especially in a couple series. Um, but he also wasn't a huge factor in, like, the Golden State series, for example. So, um, you know, let's... I think Rui is going to have a most improved compared to the rest of the seasons in his career type of season.
1: Yeah. So obviously this award is relative to what they did in previous seasons. You're kind of factoring that in some candidates that I had here was like Max Christie, Cam Reddish, but I inevitably chose, I like the Rui one, by the way, based off of everything that we've heard so far, but my most improved player, especially if you're comparing into what, comparing what he's about to do to what he did last season and the last couple of seasons, I think it's going to be Jackson Hayes. Kind of crazy.
2: Oh, interesting. But
1: I think because of the role that the Lakers will need him to play, if he hits our expectation and even goes beyond that, I think he will be a very integral piece to this Lakers group, this Lakers roster, just because we don't really have a traditional big, you know? He's the closest iteration to that that we currently have. And if he actually pans out and even plays, if he just plays the JaVale McGee role from like 2019-20 and actually even shows like a hint of spacing ability, but all he does is run the floor, block some shots, even uses his mobile legs on the perimeter to defend switches or even drop coverage, I think Jackson Hayes could be a, a most improved type player and even revitalize his career, you know? So that would be my most improved player. Now, who is your sixth man of the year? There's a lot of options here, and obviously this is all going to be determined by injuries and whatnot, but who do you think is going to be sixth man?
2: So, and I'm not even necessarily projecting that this person's going to be part of the playoff rotation, but I think sixth man over the regular season, Christian Wood, I think to Mm -hmm. me stands out. Just because of the way our team is kind of constructed, we don't know, to your point, like whether Rui's going to be, Uh, you know you mentioned some uncertainty whether he's going to start come off the bench that obviously makes a difference but we know four of the five starters and four of the five starters are probably going to be our top four scorers right so i think like when you're thinking about the bench there's nobody there who really stands out as like give this guy the ball and he can like get you a bucket when you need it and you need to be able to do that in the nba certainly over 82 games and because of that and because christian wood is so elite offensively now i don't know what he's going to do defensively and all this other stuff which is why he might not make the playoff rotation or whatever but he is going to be a very very important piece for us offensively off the bench just to be able to keep some amount of scoring pressure on defenses
1: yeah, I like it. He was one of my candidates for sure, just in terms of how much he can do in a limited amount of time, even just from like a scoring offensive versatility aspect. Um, my sixth man of the year, though, is going to Gabe Vincent, just because of the overall importance and value he'll have to this Lakers team from start all the way to finish. Right. Depending on how far we go in the playoffs because of his defensive grit and tenacity, but also his shot-making ability to space the floor and also just be a complimentary piece who doesn't need the ball, can have the ball in particular pick-and-roll situations. So, And even just be that like locker room aura leader with regards to being tough and physical out there from the guard position. So I have Gabe Vincent being my sixth man of the year. With regards to our last traditional award, Defensive Player of the Year, the non-AD version, who would you say would be the next defensive player of the year for the lakers
2: so i think there's an obvious one and then i and then i'll have another one but the obvious one's vando yeah um i think the other one and and the reason i think it's fair to have two here is because we don't know if vando's gonna play enough to be to be defensive player of the year i think the contract and investment in him suggests that they are planning to play him a significant amount um but you know he obviously has to play to to show off what he can do i think Given that and the fact that we have so many wings and we don't know where Vando fits, Gabe Vincent sort of stands out as a guy who might be defensive player of the year just because Mm -hmm. he is like our non-AD defensive player of the year because he is our point of attack guy. I think as a point of attack guy, he's going to be such a big upgrade over Schroeder, who obviously he wasn't bad himself. But I think Vincent is like on a slightly higher tier. He's not like Alex Caruso or like that level of elite, but He's very, very good, and he brings it every night. Um, so he, he will certainly be a contender.
1: Yeah, I like the Gabe Vincent pick. For my pick, I agree with you. Vando's probably number one, but pushing aside Vando and AD as the obvious choices, And I feel like I'm hedging my bets with all these predictions because they, they counteract what I said previously. But my <laughs> yeah. defensive player of the year, non-AD, non-Vando version, would be Max Christie. If okay. Max Christie takes the leap we expect him to take based off of what we've seen in summer league, even his first summer league as a rookie, where all we saw from him was like, maybe this guy is just a defensive dude with no offense. I feel like Max Christie could be that perfect point of attack defender with actual length and strength. I feel like he has the, the great defensive fundamentals. And I think this is this is probably bold. I think he could be our next Caruso. We'll see. But in terms of, like, who's that guy who can guard a Jamal Murray, stick with him, but also out-physical him, I think it could be Max Christie if he hits his ceiling. Now, if he can't beat out Cam Reddish or whatever, then that's probably not going to happen, but we'll see. I have him as my Defensive Player of the Year. All right, that does it for the, like, traditional wars. I just have two questions for you that are more untraditional. I'm going to put this one first so we don't end on a sour note, Tommy, but... Which Laker do you think, and I guess you teased this, but which Laker do you think will fail to live up to expectations?
2: Yeah, so look, and and I hope this doesn't happen. I want him to live up to the expectations. But actually, I think this conversation that we've had here today is like kind of, it, it makes this point, I think, more clear. I think Max's expectations are too high. I, he's a okay. 20 year old player. You know, he's like a couple of months younger or older. He's like about the same age as Brandon Miller who just got drafted this year. I just don't know that like, we know what exactly we're getting. He looked amazing in summer league. That's a good sign. Right. But like playing in summer league, playing in 82 games, totally different story. He's going to have to be able to contribute on both ends to play. I know we know that his defense is going to be there. Although, like even with his defense right like he's a young player like he's gonna have ups and downs there um, offensively is he going to be able to play consistently enough to stay on the floor as like a viable threat We don't know um, he is the one guy when you look at where the competition is and we've talked about this in other contexts but with that backup too like you could play Torian Prince there if you want to go big you could play cam reddish there he has more experience. I doubt it's going to be Maxwell Lewis or Jalen Hachifino, but like those guys bring things to the table that, you know, maybe, maybe not Maxwell Lewis, but Jalen Hachifino, like he is the, if you need secondary playmaking, like you need more depth and and somebody who could do that a little bit better. Like he maybe makes more sense as a fit than max um, for, for spot minutes. Right. So there's so many guys who are going to be competitive for those, those minutes. And Max is going to have to perform very consistently and very well, like right out of the gate Mm -hmm. if he's not going to get phased out. So I have him. I also have Jackson Hayes as a guy who could just potentially get phased out. I think everyone is high on him. I think the danger with that, right, is like he's our only other true big man. So like if he gets phased out, what do we do? Um, But, you know, those are those are the two guys I'm, I'm mildly concerned about.
1: Yeah, that's fair. I think for me, the Laker that I feel like will fail to live up to expectations is Torian Prince. And I know oh, the expectation. I, th- I know the expectations are already low, but also at the same time, he's the one guy who we were like, we know what we're getting from Torian Prince, right? So he's the most underappreciated, maybe the most important free agent signing, et cetera, et cetera, because he is 3 and D. And maybe I'm being a little unfair because he's also the oldest new acquisition. And I'm like, he's 29, he's over the hill, you know? So, but- That kind of factors into why I have him in this award because it's possible that we could see the Trevor Ariza fall off for Torian Prince, right? I mean, his defense has fallen off the last few years already, and he's become more of like a physical post defender who plays well in a team defense scheme, but he's no longer that one on one, lock you down, lock the team's, the opposing team's best wing primary initiator guy, you know? So. In favor of guys who are really showing their upside and hitting their ceiling, like a Max Christie or a Cam Reddish, I could see Torian Prince on a one-year deal being phased out more and more, you know? At the same time, obviously, you love his veteran leadership, and maybe they'll count on him, but I could also see Ham just being like, Hey, you're still important to the team. Be a great locker room guy. Wrangle the guys together. But right now, we need Cam Reddish to hit some shots, you know what I mean? So, we'll see. Obviously, I hope for Torian Prince to keep shooting 40% from three and regain some of his defensive tenacity on ball and stuff like that, but he's the one guy who I could see falling off. Uh, for the last question here, who would you say is the, let's do returning Laker slash internal Laker who will end up being the most important? I kind of gave it away earlier. It's D'Angelo Russell for me, for everything we've already stated, but for you, who is the returning, who is the returning internal Laker who you feel like will be the most important player?
2: I think Austin Reeves, but D'Lo is high on my list too. Mm-hmm. But maybe Austin Reeves is, is, a, is a cop-out answer. But I think, you know, notwithstanding what I've said about Rui and how excited I am and why I, th- I think he's going to be the most improved, I think in terms of who's most critical to our success, like, mm. which is why I also have D'Lo up there, like, we don't have a ton of sure thing guard depth. What we know at the wing is we have a bunch of guys who have contributed in this league. We know big men. We have AD. I think the thing that's worrying to me about the guard depth is like, if Austin gets hurt, I've said this a ton of times, if Delo gets hurt. Mm-hmm. Yeah. We have Maxwell. We have JHS. We have Gabe Vincent. We have, um, uh, Max Christie. We have Cam Reddish. We have Prince. We have, we have guys who can slot in, but none of those guys, except for maybe Prince, who's who's more of a like established vet, have really like proven anything consistently. And so that's like my concern is, uh, or not my concern, but I think because of that, Reeves and to your point, D'Lo end up end up being the returning guys who who uh, are big difference makers.
1: Yeah, they're essentially the barometers of how high our team can go. Right at the end of the day, so I totally agree with you. All right, with that said, that'll do it for this episode. That'll do it for our 2023-24 Lakers season predictions episode. Preseason is over. The season is here. The next time we talk, we're talking real Lakers regular season basketball. Season starts Tuesday against Denver, and then we have a game on Thursday versus the Suns, I believe. I forget. All that matters is it's Christmas Day for basketball fans everywhere next week, so buckle up, get your butt cheeks clenched, Get strapped. It's about to be lit. Please follow us on Twitter at Lakers Legacy Pod. Please also rate and review us five stars on the Apple Podcast app. Please also give us a five star thumb tap on our Spotify app page. I believe we're like three, five stars away from a hundred stars on Spotify. So please do us a favor and tap away. And yeah, we will catch you guys when the season begins next week. Tommy, I will see you later. Peace Laters.